The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, what is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son said in reply, I will not. But afterwards, changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? The chief priests and the elders of the people answered, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus must have had a microphone planted in our family kitchen because this story that he tells comes straight out of family life, our family lives. Brother one comes home from school, drops his book bag on the kitchen table, races to the refrigerator to get a glass of milk and then to the cookie jar. Mom slams the cookie jar shut and says, the backyard is a mess, pine needles everywhere. Get outside, change your clothes, grab a rake, and start working. And the first son says, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And picks up his book bag, heads towards his bedroom to change his clothes sees the Hardy Boys' latest mystery laying on the bed from last night, starts paging through it. No work gets done. Brother, too, comes home from school, slaps his book bag down on the kitchen table. Mom says to him as he's racing for a glass of milk, I need you to get outside and help your brother rake the leaves and the pine needles. The backyard's a mess. The second son says, oh, I got homework to do. This isn't fair. Well, your brother's already out there working. No, he isn't. Don't you know your son yet? 
He never gets to work. He always says yes, but he doesn't do it. He's up in his room, either watching the television, watching the Three Stooges, or reading his stupid Hardy Boys book. I don't care, get out there and start raking. No, he leaves in a huff. By the time he gets to his bedroom to change his clothes and get out of his school uniform, and he's tempted to lay down on the bed and watch the Three Stooges too. But he starts feeling kind of guilty about how he talked to his mom. And so he gets out, grabs the rake, starts raking the backyard by himself. I won't tell you which one of the two boys is me. <laughs> but my nickname was Slow Mo. <laughs> the interesting thing is that this story that Jesus tells today, this parable, is straight out of our lives. Either Jesus had a microphone in our family kitchen listening in, or he just knew human nature really, really well. And human nature doesn't change very much, especially when you're dealing with 15 and 16-year-olds. The interesting thing is that we recognize ourselves in this story, even though a couple thousand years have passed. It's a wonder. It makes Jesus a really, really good storyteller, of course. As Jesus is telling this story 2,000 years ago, though, the people he is telling it to, who this happens to be, the chief priests and the elders of the people, you know, the big shots, the holy guys, the people that run the temple and run the sacrifice business and do all that stuff in Jerusalem, he's talking directly to them, and they don't get it. When Jesus asks the question, which of the two sons did what his father asked, they're saying, well, obviously, the son who said no, but then later got the rake and went to work in the vineyard. But what does that have to do with us? What's your point, Jesus? We're not getting it. It's a nice little story, but it does not apply to us. Jesus must have looked them straight in the eye and said, oh, don't you bet on it. I don't tell stories just for the fun of it, especially when I'm speaking to high priests and priests and elders of the people. So let me enlighten you, dear brothers. Since a very early age, you have been saying yes to God. Look at you. You're very, very holy men. You've risen through the ranks. You've risen up to serve the temple. You're priests and all, all that stuff. You've been saying yes, yes, yes to God all of these years. Congratulations. On the other hand, look at the people who hang around me. Prostitutes, tax collectors, the sick, the lame, sinners of all kinds. People who have been rejected, people who are impure. And you look down your nose at them because their yes to God has not been very clear at all. In fact, they haven't said yes to God and to God's ways and God's rules and God's commandments. Their lives have been terribly complicated and they've made lots and lots of mistakes and they've compounded those mistakes over and over and over again. But when John came to us, 
and began to preach a baptism of renovation, a baptism of renewal, a baptism of new life, of a new chance of putting behind your sins and starting over again, they went by droves out to the desert to be baptized by him. They did. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, the sick, the infirm. Where were you? When God called you to actually do something about your own lives, you were too proud, too good, too holy, too devoted to your temple work that you didn't do the real work of God. Lots of yeses, lots of amens, lots of hallelujahs. But when it came to responding to the message of John, you were a wall. Us? Oh, we're holy, we're good, we're good people. We, we're, we pray all the time. It doesn't matter, Jesus says. When it comes to who's getting into the kingdom of God, when it comes to who's listening to God's call and God's voice, it's these scruffy people here, these dirty people here, these sinners here that are way, way ahead of you in the line. When God actually called you, you said yes, but you did nothing. And when I come, even more to the point, when I come preaching grace and God's kingdom and God's presence in our midst, who responds to my message? Who responds to my signs, my healing grace? It's the same people who've been sinners their whole lives, who maybe in one way or another said no to God and no to his commandments and no to the temple because their lives were just too messed up. But when God loves them and manifests his care for them, they say yes. And look at how they care for one another. Look at how they love one another. Look at how they help one another in one another's needs. Whereas you guys, you haven't helped anybody in a very long time. Too busy slaughtering sheep and saying your prayers. And you can understand then, with Jesus making this point so clearly to the chief priests and the elders of the people, why they went back to the temple licking their wounds of their ego and began plotting Jesus' demise, furthering not their yes to God, but their no to God's ways. So, of course, this is obvious to us. It seems obvious to us. It's a powerful reminder, beginning with a simple story about two brothers in their, you know, being asked to do a simple job. Ending with, with this condemnation, really, by Jesus of the priests and the elders of the people, the big shots of Jerusalem. And through it all, Jesus is saying to anyone who will listen, you know, when it comes to the gospel, it, it's, you've got to walk the talk. When it, when it comes to folded hands, 
Those hands are only meaningful and good if they open up to receive the broken in our world. And when all is said and done, when it comes to all the amens we sing heavenward, they're worthless unless those amens are filled with love for all women and men. That's how you get into the kingdom of God. Not through talk, not through folded hands, and not through beautiful amens, but by doing what Jesus did. A footnote, if I may. This past week, as we know, was a hard week for um, Sue and Taylor and really all of us. Grief is hard, always. And I want to say to Sue and to Taylor, thank you so much for walking the talk of your faith this past week. You inspired us moved us and loved us and served us even in your grief. And when we ourselves are plunged sooner or later into that same kind of grief, we'll remember your example. You walked the talk of the gospel for us. And to all of you, you know, the gospel was lived this past week in this community. The prayerful love that you offered to Taylor and Sue, to one another, was beautiful. And it was of the gospel. And it was a witness to how deeply that gospel has rooted itself in our lives as a community. Thank you. <laughs>